the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Barton Simmons. I'm Chip Patterson. Uh, we got a lot to get to today. We have a first. There are um, the, the Shane Beamer press conference is going on right now. Barton Simmons, I apologize. I think our listeners need to know that that was your number one priority because everyone, loyal listeners know, nobody throws themselves at opening press conferences for head coaches quite like Barton Simmons. We rank them at the end of the coaching carousel by press conference when we discuss the hires here on the, on the Cover 3 podcast. Uh, so we got a lot to get to. The coaching carousel talk, a little Texas, a little Matt Campbell, some early line look ahead. But your, your initial, you know, we've gotten a couple hype videos. We've gotten a couple sound bites and sound clips. What have been your initial gleanings now that the, uh, uh, the Shane Beamer era, I guess when we discussed it on Saturday night, was still just reported at that point. And now we've got official press conferences on Monday, announcement on Sunday. Are, are you feeling any different than you did with your in-the-moment reaction uh, on the show? No. I, I mean, I, again, I think the Shane Beamer thing is you have, you have to have blind faith. You have to be you, – if you aren't inside the machine, I don't think there's any real reason to believe it will work. But if you've been inside the machine, if you pop the hood, if you check the engine and you, it looks good, then okay, well, maybe. The, even the press conference, like this guy c- clearly killed the interview process. And so the press conference, all right, he should blow me away. He was polished. I mean, he's cl- he didn't stutter. He wasn't, he had a, he was articulate, but I didn't hear anything that wasn't just standard press conference 101 um so i'm still i am still not there but again i am i am very open to this being a great hire given the things he laid out for his administration and when your players like you that's got to count for something and i guess his players liked him so he, as far as you know, to this point, he has not remarked about how hot his wife is and how that proves he can recruit yet. Nothing, nothing too soundbite-ish. I will say this though. It was kind of, it is sort of funny. Like, I don't know, take this for what it's for, for like, I don't know what to, to glean from this or if there's too much to glean from it or not. But I mean, everybody that was asking him questions were like, Hey, Shane, good to have you back, man. You know what? <laughs> it's been a long time since them, you know, days in high school. Like, you know, it's just all these like, Hey, and he's, Oh man. Yeah. It's great to see you again. You know, all this, like it's a homecoming of sorts. There's no question about that. So whether that's a good thing, whether that maybe is, is a, is, is a um, overblown reason to re- to hire somebody. I don't know, but Right now, he's got everybody if, on his, if on his side. Yeah, if they're not coming in with a personal connection with Shane Beamer, of which he seems to have many, many friends in the media, and if they're not coming to him with like old school South Carolina ties, they're at least coming to him as Frank's son. Like I, I saw that one. It was like, hey, so you think we can get our own brand of Beamer ball going on down here? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, there was there was one question where it was like this long preamble of you know what? Every time I walk into a room and saw Frank, like he was just he had a presence about him, and man, he was special. And tell me how he was special. It's like okay, <laughs> we talk about my dad. <laughs> talk yeah. about you. He talk about your dad for us. Uh. <laughs> but I, I, I to look. Th- this is. I think that this literally this is a lesson. This is a lesson, a life lesson for all of us, because if if. 
it's almost like a better life lesson if he fails than if he succeeds. The life lesson is be nice to people. <laughs> Be a person that people want to root for. I'm being serious. I know. Yeah. If he, yeah. If he if he's out of this thing in three years and he just spent three years getting paid three and a half million dollars for a job that maybe he's underqualified for, then he basically got that job because a lot of people like him and a lot of people are rooting for him, and that engenders some level of belief. And again, maybe he is qualified for it. Maybe he will hit a home run, and in which case. He still got the job because people root for him. People believe in him. People gave him a benefit of the doubt. And so be nice to people. I think it's better than the alternative. South Carolina was one of the jobs that was sort of on the top of my mind today, but it wasn't because of the the hire of Shane Beamer because we had Louisville coach Scott Satterfield coming to the mic. And his intentions at this weekly press conference really was to start out and like address the elephant in the room, talk about some of the reporting, you know, back up some of his comments. He, I believe it was the Courier Journal had some of his initial comments about having a conversation with South Carolina, you know, closer to family than where he's at. And it was a, a very 2020 social media, media coverage moment where um, one of his comments was sort of cut down to fit in 280 characters. And the way it appeared there uh, was as such. Satterfield talking about balancing commitments and how players and coaches are different. Says players are there and don't have family. Coaches have families to consider. Players have to be, quote, all in. Coaches have a career to consider. Boy. That's, that sounds terrible. That's not good. <laughs> so because we've already gone through, because then, then there's a lot of uh, response to that, as you might imagine. So we do have the actual audio. And so before we dive into the comments, I think it's important that we present them as they were delivered by Scott Satterfield. Well, I think as players, you know, it's a little bit different than coaches. I know sometimes we like to lump coaches in with players, you know, as a player, um, you know, you're, you're there for three to four years and then you're done. You're right. You know, and I think as coaches, you know, and, and as players, you know, you're, you're really you don't have a family. I mean, it's just you, you know, and as, as coaches and I'm just thinking in general terms here, you know, coaches have wives and kids and, um, you know, as, as a as a job, are they going to be at a, a job for 40 years? You know, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different things, I think, that are involved with coaching. I think, you know, with, with the players, you know, like I said, it's three or four years and they have to be all in because it's hard as a player. It's hard as a player to you know go to class, to get up and go go to meetings, go go weight training, to go practice, come back and study. You know all the things they have to do. Oh, and by the way, then go perform on a game day. I mean, it's just a, a lot of things that a player has to do that I think, um, you know, that, that are pulling at their. There's so many different avenues that are pulling pulling at them. So, um, so you have to be all in with it, you know. And I think as coaches, a little bit different. As I mentioned, I mean, you know, you got a career in the coaching. So, um, by the way, that little like burp hiccup after he was done listing all the things the players had to do, felt like it was almost his subconscious being like, yeah, these players do have it really hard. (laughs) Um, like with full context played out, I will say it sounds better than it read. And I will say that he's not, uh, the kernel of his truth of what he's trying to say I think that I would agree with, at least with the idea that it's a very different perspective on your relationship with the university from the player's side and the coach's side in terms of how long you were going to be there and the many different factors that go into your decision-making. But boy, right after this weekend and the way things went down with that South Carolina interview, that was not, a, that was not what Louisville fans wanted to hear out of Monday's press conference. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like to go through the flirtation and then your first words afterwards are basically like, well, you know, we're not that committed to the school. <laughs> not like the players. <laughs> I, first of all, some players do have families, by the way, Scott, I'm not just talking about their parents. Some of them do have wives and children, but I, I think that the comments portrayed on social media looked a lot worse than they are. That said, I still don't think that what he said was a very good or smart thing to be saying. And I like along the lines of what you're saying, because they're already mad at him. And I feel like no matter what he'd come out and said, Louisville fans were probably still going to be mad at him. Unless Is it a lose-lose situation dealing with this fan base? 
I, I just think that there are like when you're already mad at somebody, like say you're in a fight with like your, your wife or your significant other or whoever, and you're angry at them. And then you kind of like the fight's not over, but you've stopped the fight. And like an hour later, they'll say something and you're just kind of like your response to it is already angry, mm-hmm. even though there's nothing because it's just like you're still holding on to it. And I feel like that's the situation where Louisville fans were going to be in today, where no matter what he said, unless he just came out and said, hey, I'm sorry. I'm an idiot. I'll never think of it. I'll never do it again. I'm so, so sorry. Please forgive me. I want to be here forever or something you know, stupid like that. Then they were going to be mad. But it's just I think that what he was saying was true in some ways in that there are different commitments between a player and the school and the coach in the school because the players as far as the playing goes, it's short term. You're not going to be there forever for a coach. You might be there forever, but there might be another opportunity that comes up. And it's kind of like if you're a player and, you know, maybe you want to transfer. Maybe you don't like the situation you're in. Maybe you put in your three or four years, you get your degree, and then another school comes calling. And, hey, okay, well, I I still love this place, but I'm going to go try something new. So I get that. I just think that coming off a weekend (laughs) in which you were – you were not shy about your interest in the South Carolina job. And then you're kind of hinting at the fact that maybe you're just a little homesick. You know, you got family closer. And again, that's nothing wrong with that. That's just a guy being honest about the situation, but to, to come off of that and then to be in this press conference saying that, you know, basically just doubling down on the fact that, well, yeah, I'm not that committed to being here. Well, do he, he went all the way in. He, I think he was trying to only, uh, reinforce the ideas like this has nothing to do with my uh, unhappiness with Louisville. I think we got a great thing here. It's just, you know, for family reasons. And so later on in the press conference, he was asked, he said, okay, well, if North Carolina or NC state ever called, would you take that call? And he was like, heck yeah, I'd take that call. (laughs) Exactly. So it's like, and again, it's like whether you're sitting there saying, I don't like it here. And we don't know that that's the case. I don't think that's the case. He might love it. It's just if yeah. North Carolina calls, he's going to pick yeah. up just like when South Carolina called. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's one of those times where it's like, Hey, you know, jobs, he, he probably should have just said the same thing he'd already said on Sunday or Saturday, whatever day it was when, the, when the first news first started to break, just said the same exact thing. Cause at least that way you're not putting any more fuel in the fire and you could just try to move on. But yeah. It's, it wasn't a great weekend for Scott Satterfield, in my opinion. So as uh, Scott Satterfield's biggest believer on this podcast, I feel... I, I saw you wait for the dirt to get thrown out on the street before you wanted to... To step in here. <laughs> right. Uh, first of all, uh, I, think, I still think Scott Satterfield's a really good coach. But this is a, is, is a really good illustration of why communication skills are so important at the head coach position because what we saw today in that press conference has nothing to do with X's and O's, has nothing to do with the pregame speech, but it has everything to do with continuing to um, facilitate buy-in, not only from the fans, but from the players and having everyone continue to pull in the right direction. So it was a clumsy performance. It was a clumsy performance by Scott Satterfield in that press conference. And by the way, like in that long sort of meandering answer, did you guys kind of catch that at the probably, I don't know, 10 seconds into it, he was sort of like, oh, hell, what did I start here? How am I going to talk my way out of this? I don't think I should have gone here. (laughs) And, but I think that gets to sort of my, my my defense, like my my half-hearted defense of Scott Satterfield here would be this. The easy I think his heart in, in this press conference performance, his heart was actually in the right place. He was trying to he was trying to answer questions with some level of honesty. Mm-hmm. And and so like kind of like be be um uh, vulnerable a little bit and like, all right, you know what? Like, this is, this is the reality guys. Like, this is the truth. And I'm, I'm, I'm being honest with you. And yada, yada. if he was a, if he was a less sincere person, he would have just lied and he would have just been like, this is, this was a, I don't know. He made some excuse for the call, some excuse for the interview. And he would have said, this is where I want to be forever. This is my place. This I've, I've bought a house here. I love it. The Kentucky Derby was sick two years ago. Like this is my home, and but he didn't do that. He was like, I don't know. Like if, if North Carolina, North Carolina State calls, like mom lives down the road. 
So I'd probably take it. So we at Louisville, we've got Scott Satterfield, who's probably being too honest for his own good. And we've had Bobby Petrino, who would just sit there and lie straight to your face. So the key is that Louisville, if they need a new coach sometime soon, I don't know, maybe they will. They need to find somebody in the middle, somebody who will be honest while lying. <laughs> See, they that's that was the other thing I wanted to make sure that we brought up is we're dealing with a vulnerable fan base. And from yes. the, uh, you know, relationship side of it, like you painted earlier, Tom, this is somebody who's been hurt. Like this is somebody who like we need to have a lot of forgiveness when they react poorly to this because they have a lot of reasons to feel like what is happening? Why is this happening to us again? I mean, so much so that like the athletic director said in his statement on Sunday that he's like, I understand our fan base being wary of, you know, like coaches in situations for doing you. like this and I can relate to it. I was like, man, when the AD is putting that in his official statement, it's like Bobby hurt him. Bobby hurt him bad. <laughs> well, and it's just so funny to think that uh, Scott Satterfield engaged in this whole charade, and he never had a chance to, to beat Shane Beamer. <laughs> because he wasn't going to be Shane Beamer. <laughs> Not just a weird situation. <laughs> Maybe. No, never mind. <laughs> All right. Uh, From the job that just got filled to the one, we are not sure if it's going to be open or not. The Texas Longhorns put a 60 burger on the board. Bijan Robinson, more than 200 all purpose yards and horns. Two for seven is reporting. Texas's flirtation with urban Meyer appears over. What is this? How seriously did you all take the idea of urban Meyer coming to Texas to replace Tom Herman during this off season? And if, as uh, Horns 24-7 is reporting, the flirtation with Urban Meyer appears to be over, then what are the next steps, which include one path, which is don't fire Tom Herman this offseason? I I mean, I had fun kind of like putting it out there as a theory. I mean, because if Urban Meyer is going to come back to coaching, we've discussed it. It's not going to be for some, you know, mid-level program it's going to be in a program where he feels like he can go in there and he could turn things around and win a national title pretty quickly and there are a few of those jobs that i think that that's the something is capable of doing anywhere and i think texas is one of those jobs where you can do that it's just i would say for fun i was at about you know 50 percent pushing the idea of it happening but as far as expecting it to happen and expecting there to be interest in it I'd probably say i was at like 15 percent max thinking that it was an p- actual possibility yeah, um, I was more like 40. I was starting to believe a little bit, a little more faith maybe. Um, You're a little too close to some some 24-7 sports <laughs> message boards. That's what right. the problem is. That's right. <laughs> uh, I think um, I, 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 I would like the, that's, this is the weird thing. And I've sort of said this other places. The It just doesn't feel like a good blue blood blockbuster candidate pool feels like a really good if you're Vanderbilt if you're South Carolina if you're um a group of five if you are a Illinois like I think there's a lot of really good candidates that are available in this cycle if you are Texas I don't I don't know it's I mean if unless you think like Matt Campbell is the guy um, I mean, James Franklin would typically be a candidate for these sort of jobs, but he's not having the year that makes him really a, a guy that are, people are going to be excited about. Um, you know, I guess Steve Sarkeesian, but like that's a that's a not exactly a bulletproof resume. This is a this is a really interesting year, and I, I just think if you're Texas, why why take that risk? They're actually playing pretty well right now. Mm, they're playing. They they played really well against Kansas State. Yeah. They're playing better than they were at the beginning of the season. Okay. I'll give that for sure. The, uh, I, I still think that those names, even if they don't lack the pop now, I think that James Franklin, I, I can envision James Franklin succeeding at Texas. But do you think James Franklin would leave Penn state for Texas? So I think, I think that, uh, any coach, particularly as they're in a tough season, would be tempted with the possibility of like restarting their clock, mm-hmm. you know, getting a fresh shot clock. So I, I th- and particularly at a place like Texas with all the resources at your disposal, I get it that it's a little bit of a, um, 
uh, I can't remember what the euphemism is that I'm looking for, but like there there's, it's, it, it almost like heightens the expectations. And so it makes it maybe unrealistic. And like, there's that, there, there's that element, but I, I would imagine that a coach like James Franklin with the strengths of James Franklin would be tempted by an opportunity like that. I'm surprised James Franklin has had like a Satterfield press conference because he misses his family too. They're, they're not even living with them. <laughs> That's what they're I'm saying. Florida. Yeah. <laughs> Where is James going to have one of those press conferences soon? It's like if, if they lose this weekend, he's like, listen, if whatever job near where my wife is right now comes calling, I'll, I'll answer the phone. FIU. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) We've been telling you about it all season long, and it's still going to be going. It is the college football pick'em challenge. You can get in for free, and you will have a chance to win the $1,000 weekly cash prize. You can enter on your own, or you could start up a group to compete against friends or coworkers. The way you do it is at cbssports.com slash college. Again, that is cbssports.com slash college to enter the cbssports.com college football pick'em challenge. It's the biggest games on Saturday. You pick them against the spread you turn in your card and you are going to go up against others for that $1,000 weekly prize. Again, it's very easy. Starts on Tuesday. Today's Monday afternoon. On Tuesday, you can get in there. You can see the games. You can go ahead and make your pick. But you've got until noon on Saturday to go ahead and get them in. And we will be talking about many of those games on the Locks episode and even a little bit later on in the early line look ahead, I'm sure. So, cbsports.com slash college. That is the way that you can get in for your shot to win $1,000 weekly prize. Coming up on the other side, a question for 12 schools. Do you want Matt Campbell? Next. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Okay, uh, new rankings came out. I want to ask which one is, is more impressive. Iowa State hasn't been in the top 10 since 1992. Or Indiana, last time it was ranked this highly, was in 1969. Nice. Who's who's experiencing more like program-changing success? Who's going to hang an AFC South Division champion banner in the stadium after this year? Because neither one of these teams are going to the college football playoff, more than likely. So you're asking me which one's more likely to sustain it? Yes. Iowa State it's going to be really hard for Indiana to sustain this because this is a year in which Penn state's got two wins and Michigan has two wins. How many times in the future are we going to see Michigan and Penn state finishing with two wins? That's a very, very fair point. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, if you're an Indiana fan, listen, it's thrill. And the program is like this year, it's in where it is, where it's not expected, but it's not like this has come out of nowhere because Indiana was good last year too. It's just, it was in the same division as Ohio state, Michigan and Penn state. So there was a clear pecking order of how high it could get. And it was like I said, before the big 10 season started, if Indiana were in the big 10 West, it would have been, it might've been, you know, it would, would, would have been right there with Wisconsin as my pick to be the team to win the division. 
but I just don't think going forward, like I don't, unless Tom Allen starts recruiting at a level that we've, I don't even know that Indiana basketball recruits at anymore. I just don't see them being able to keep being a top 10 team year in, year in and year out playing the kind of schedule that they're going to have to play. So Iowa state, I think that path is much more open for them. Of course, Matt Campbell will probably be at Michigan anywhere next year. Right. So then we'll get to find out Tom Allen, Matt Campbell head to head. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a really important note is that if we are assuming Matt Campbell will leave, then I think you have to factor that into some of the sustainability here. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, I think Indiana is leveling up into something more sustainable, but to be very clear, I think they're leveling up into Kentucky, right? Mm. A, a, a team that is goes from traditionally a afterthought to suddenly a second tier strong opponent within a, a really good conference. And, um, and, and I think Tom Allen is a, he's in a bit more of a sweet spot to me in terms of, and I'm not saying Tom Allen wouldn't pursue a, a bigger job if it came along. And I'm sure they will, if they continue to play like this. And uh, obviously if they continue to be top 10, but I just, it just feels a little bit like Tom Allen could hang around there and get eight win seasons at Indiana. Whereas Matt Campbell is, is he's closer to being just that, first name on everybody's list call list as soon as the job comes open. So that, that was what led me to wanting to play this game. I want to, I want to turn the tables. Let's say Matt Campbell calls you and Matt Campbell says, I, you know, I want to come be your coach. We'll set up a couple of scenarios. So USC, if USC uh, has decided to move on from Clay Helton, Matt Campbell's interested. Do you hire Matt Campbell? James Franklin said no. That's I, I, we're just, do you, do you hire Matt Campbell? I'm trying to figure out where, where, cause Matt Campbell's name feels real hot, but I, I want to really Matt Campbell would go to USC though. Is that, yeah. am I allowed to say that? Mm, or is that not the exercise you're trying to, let's, yeah, let's keep, let's keep playing you. So maybe the answer with USC is no, no. I think there's other people we want to talk to. I want to talk to urban Meyer. I want to talk to James Franklin. Matt Campbell is not like a no brainer. He's interested. Let's hire him. Correct. That, I think that's where I would land on this one. Yeah. I think Matt Campbell is is um is going to try to stay in this sort of midwest footprint and 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 i just think that's where he's going to be comfortable recruiting and building and developing and so that that would be where that would, would be where i'd i'd circle the map and and like so ucla same school. thing matt campbell calls and says i'd love to come to ucla would you be willing to fire chip kelly to hire matt campbell <sighs> auburn <sighs> Yeah, because I think Matt Campbell's a better coach than Gus Malzahn. Tennessee. Matt Campbell calls yes. oh, Philip Fulmer yeah. and says, if you want to move on yes. from Pruitt, I'm coming. Yeah, because I think I think Tennessee, it's not quite the same, but I do think Tennessee kind of falls into that, like what Barton just mentioned with the quote-unquote Midwest footprint that I think Campbell's comfortable with. I think Knoxville is close enough to that where I think that he would be happy still with being able, I think you could recruit in Ohio pretty well still from Tennessee, and then he could still you know dip into the Southeast as far as being in the SEC and having to do that. So yeah, I think if Tennessee could get Matt Campbell, I would do it. It's just this is another situation where I don't know how much how attractive Tennessee would be to Matt Campbell. I think Matt Campbell at Auburn would be amazing. I think he'd be a great, <laughs> think so, do a great job there. I bet you that's another job he wouldn't take. Not that I don't think that he's he thinks it's a good enough job. I just and again, this is sort of like this is just sort of my suspicion here is that like I like the way he built it at. He's a D3 guy from Mount Union and Toledo and now Iowa State. And he's he is allowed all of the rope he wants to build it the way he wants. That's why I got like Michigan State, Michigan. I mean, and, and I know Michigan is like they don't think of themselves as sort of this you can do however you want type of programs. But look, I mean, they're, they're, they're hanging around with Jim Harbaugh. I think if you get down there to Auburn, then all of a sudden people are like, like, you know, chirping at you about recruiting rankings and you know that you can't like you can't do it in the, in such an incremental i don't want to say stress-free but like a more flexible way 
um, that you're much more confined to, hey, results now, recruiting now, make it happen or else. I mean, Saban you know, came from Michigan happen. State. He brought, he, we're talking about the GOAT here, but like, you know, he's Kent State, Michigan State, Cleveland Browns on the way in, just totally changes, changes the game. I'm only, I'm, I'm not calling Matt Campbell the next Nick Saban, but I'm not not calling him the next Nick Saban. All right, so two that are tied to the NFL. Uh, let's say either the NFL calls or after going to the college football cl- playoff, Brian Kelly's like, all right, I'm good. Notre Dame, do you want Matt Campbell? Yes. Over, like as, as one of your top picks? Yes. Yeah, I think that would be a good fit. Um, yeah. Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley gets called, goes to the NFL. Would you hire the guy that's beaten you, Matt Campbell? Beaten him twice. That's an interesting one. I mean, you, yeah, if I'm Oklahoma, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely approaching Matt Campbell. And I'm not going to sit here and say, like, Matt Campbell wouldn't, like, go to Oklahoma. That's an interesting one, though. Yeah, I think what about Texas? Texas, I got, we talked about this on Saturday night. I think, I think Texas, is, Matt Campbell's a coach. Texas should definitely be interested in it. I just don't know if that's the kind of job he wants. Okay, three left. Iowa. I'm not trying to is get, the, like... Attacked on the street here. <laughs> yeah. Kirk Ferentz decides to step down. It's been a very tumultuous year. Iowa all of a sudden needs to hire a coach. Got a lot of support behind it. There's no way in hell Matt Campbell would do that. Okay, and it's got. It's just. I mean, because could you imagine like leaving Iowa State to take over the Iowa job? I can't imagine Urban Meyer at Michigan, but that's because Urban Meyer has a restaurant with his record against Michigan, like in the restaurant as the name of the <laughs> VIP, like air, dining area. Like there's, you've got to get a little bit deeper in the hate before I'm going to take the Cyhawk as something, a reason worth turning down. What I would that's, say is maybe a better job. That is some, no, that that's real hate. Okay. Those two, that the the vitriol between those two schools is it's it's up there. Well, much love to Chris Hassel. I'm sure I just infuriated him and uh, a ton of uh, football fans, either on the Iowa and on the Iowa State side. All right, Penn State. Matt Campbell is calling. Yeah, I think that works. And then Michigan. I think that works. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if he would be their number one target. But I think you could make the argument that he should be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Matt Campbell, very hot right now. But he's, you know, like the Matt Campbell haters, though, are are squirming right now because this is the first year where Matt Campbell has actually had a little bit of substance behind the hype. Everyone up, before it was just like, oh, he's getting eight wins at Iowa State. And so. And beating and, Oklahoma. And, well, how many times did he beat Oklahoma once before this, before year? this year? Right, right. But he's played him close. Mm-hmm. But um, so he's like riding that one upset in a couple eight win seasons, and this is the first year where I think that he is he's taking the next step. You know, won a few more of those close games that sometimes gets him, and and now I think you can start having that conversation and and um, sticking it to the haters. Matt Campbell, love here on the Cover Three podcast. Uh, all right, early line look ahead. Michigan got the Rutgers line for Ohio State. And at first I said, oh my gosh, they've got the Rutgers line. And then I remembered staying up and live blogging an overtime game between Michigan and Rutgers. And it's like, no wonder Michigan is getting the Rutgers line. Michigan has the same power rating as Rutgers. 30 point favorite. Well, I mean, I think, some of that has to do with the current situation Michigan finds itself in because let's Without not forget Michigan was favored by how many points in that Rutgers game? 10. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if the power ratings the same. I think the scenario, but no, that is Felica tweeted that to something about this today. I can't find it right now, but it was basically along the lines of like, he was saying this was like the ninth or 10th time, whatever it is that we've seen a spread in the 30 point range between conference opponents this year. <laughs> and then he listed the matchups that had gotten it already. Like, you know, one was last week with Notre Dame and Syracuse. And then there was like Georgia Vanderbilt. But anyways, the point he was trying to make was look at these matchups and now realize that this is happening in an Ohio state, Michigan. Game. <laughs> Cause it's like, that's just kind of where Michigan is right now. Notre Dame, Syracuse and shout out to Chris Felica from ESPN for this one. Notre Dame, Syracuse, Florida, Vanderbilt, Alabama, Kentucky, Oklahoma, Kansas, Ohio state, Rutgers, uh, Alabama, Mississippi state, 
Clemson, Syracuse, Texas A&M, Vanderbilt, which doors, uh, and Clemson, Wake Forest. And you know what? I might take Michigan just on principle. <laughs> I, I'm not going to, I mean, I won't be on it. I've done that dance too many times this season. People understand where my principles land. Oh, actually, I mean, I'm not alone in this thought because apparently because looking at it now, the line's down 28, 28 and a half. Too many daggone points. Yeah. That's everybody held the same kind of feel that I had. The other 30 point spread this week is Alabama is 31 point favorites over our beloved hogs. Do you think that this is the, the, um, just like this, the nature of this season has distracted us from the possibility that Alabama might be the best college football team of all time. Yes. You're turning your back on LSU already. That's what I'm saying. Like LSU just was the best college football team of all time. And Nick Saban is just like kind of putting that up on the bulletin board all summer. And now he's just like, okay, well let's just go ahead and have the best college football team of all time. Um, because they are like the, the thing that LSU had was it's, it's um, it beat all these highly ranked teams and, but Alabama is no one is coming close to them. And I mean, it's all about the, the playoff run. If they start winning the playoff games by 28 points, then I think you got to have that conversation. Cause Burrow had seven touchdowns at halftime of a college football playoff semifinal against the big 12 champs. You got yeah, it. You got to go out and do something stupid against the best teams. Because if we're going to look at Indiana's success and think about how they're doing it as Penn state and Michigan are down sec West, isn't great. The second best team in the SEC West, we already saw that Alabama is way separate from them, and LSU and Auburn are not close to their better or best forms from what our expectations are. So the the gap and the perceived gap that we see as Alabama plays this conference only schedule, you know, but when we're gonna start throwing out the best teams of all time, I don't even know if they're the best Alabama team of all time, but I understand your point that we're probably so caught up in the craziness of trying to like bowls getting canceled, trying to finish the season, whether or not Ohio state's going to be able to play for the big 10 championship game. Like there's so many other things to think about that. We aren't normally able to take stock of where Ohio state is, but I'm willing to entertain the idea without a doubt. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to entertain this, uh, Devonta Smith for Heisman trophy argument. I understand that you want to back off of it, but it's important no, to make it. Not want to back, okay. I do not want to back off of it. It just, it just felt, you know, it just felt like I was no longer one of the cool kids. Here, yeah, like here's what it is. Like the, the hit station. Yeah, like Barton Barton still has his Devonta Smith t-shirt. He's just not wearing it in public anymore. Right, right. <laughs> I got to find something else culty to wear. Um, so in the, like, is the Heisman Trophy picture six, maybe seven players? It's Trask, Pitts, Smith, Jones, Fields, Lawrence and Notre Dame's pushing book a late, late hard charge for Ian book to get in that Heisman trophy finalist discussion. But is the there argument any, being he's a quarterback at Notre Dame? He's the winningest quarterback. He's a winner. Uh, I mean, but is, is there anyone else who y'all think deserve consideration? Like if you were putting I mean, together you, your watch when list, you say Devante, people are always be like, well, Najee's just as good. So I don't know if Najee's going to steal a little, Steal even more votes from the Bama contingent. Najee but, does not overwhelm the viewer watching I the agree. college football game. Najee's like awesome. Smith Najee does. is a freak show, but I think just the way Bama beats you, Najee's just more that like, you know, just punch in the face after you've already gotten like totally curb stomped by Devontae Smith. Is there anybody else that you could think of? I mean, and not who would win realistically, it. Realistically, are you saying realistically? No, I'm not talking like, about who, who should we be like discussed. Like not who we think will win it. Like if you were sitting here having that discussion and you were trying to say like, who's, if you were asked who's the most outstanding player in college football, I think I would. If I was 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 getting on the whiteboard and breaking down my vote that I don't have, I would probably also include Brees Hall in the discussion. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's been, he's been the focal point of this breakout Iowa state season. And he's been, he's been really good. Um, I can't believe that you went to Brees hall 
before you went to Jarrett Patterson. <laughs> Did the, Bulls the guy who's averaging 230 yards per game. It's true. That's a good point. It's a good point. The Bulls are everywhere. So Brees has hit 1357 with 17 touchdowns at 6.11 yards per attempt. It's the second most. No, not the second most. Uh, 1,300 yards rushing right now? Yeah, he's averaging 135 per game. They played that many games? Yeah, they played 10 games. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, wait. Oh, oh, Brees. 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 Oh, I thought you were talking about Jared. I was like, what? No, Jared's averaging 230 per game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's at 929 through four. There you go. Okay, right. He's literally averaging 95 yards more per game than Brees Hall. <laughs> but I don't, okay, so wow. uh, Brees Hall's a good call. I, I don't know if I could come up with another one to uh, to add to it. I mean, I think if he wanted to, he, he's got no chance of winning it. But if... Devontae Smith's obviously the best wide receiver in the country. I think if you just look at the numbers, Elijah Moore has a case. I just don't think mm-hmm. it's a very good one to be a finalist. Um, Ole Miss, by the way, if they are able to play, and I think the indication there's, we should be on track after they had to pause all activities, but Ole Miss, Texas A&M, 8 p.m. on CBS. We got a little primetime CBS. We'll go Army, Navy, be in the uh, the normal afternoon slot, and then 8 p.m. on CBS, a little Texas A&M Ole Miss. Remember, you can stream all those games on cbssports.com, through the CBS Sports app, pregame, halftime, and postgame, all on CBS Sports HQ. Florida, 24-point favorite against LSU. Lay it? No. I just, that's too many points for Florida's defense, in my opinion. I mean, LSU's offense was able to at least do some stuff against Alabama last week. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like if they could put it, what would they finish with 17? Mm -hmm. If they could finish with 17 against Alabama, they could get 20 something against Florida. Can't they? I just, I I am concerned about the, the general strength, you know, just the, the seems like it's, um, it's a car that needs to be taken into the shop. You know, he's just trying to make it a few more miles to be able to make it home. Then we'll uh, we'll get it, that transaxle checked out here in the off season. There's there's one line that really stands out to me. I'll get to it in a second. But first, I want to go back to the Army Navy game that you just mentioned. Oh, It'll be on CBS. Service Academy unders. The total is already at thirty nine and a half. It opened Ooh, at forty two at some places. Oh, I, I already bet it at forty one and a half. I'm just saying it's down to thirty nine and a half. So if you're listening and you haven't got it yet, you might want to get it quickly, or maybe see if it bounces back up. But the one line I really wanted to talk about, and unfortunately, Danny's not here. Florida State is a four and a half point favorite against Duke on Saturday. I saw that. Are we all on Duke? <laughs> I mean, Duke. I think I saw Duke has like eleven more turnovers than the worst turnover team in college football other than them like they're they're 35 on the like for the season they've had 35 turnovers lost and that would make sense that the second place team would be like 24 or 25 second place is louisville at 24 they left them in south carolina with scott satterfield's interview (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think duke is probably a better team than florida state if it doesn't turn the ball over but that's a that's a big if this season. They have allowed 160 points in the last three games. Here, here's a fun stat, just looking at this. that I don't know that it means anything, but four of the five teams that have lost, had the most turnovers lost this year are ACC teams. Duke is the worst. Louisville's second worst. Georgia Tech is third worst. Then there's East Carolina, my beloved Pirates, and then it's Syracuse. Brutal ACC defenses. I guess <laughs> the the real meat grinder. Um, also, USC UCLA. I think it's going to be fun. Odds uh, makers have it at four and a half, four four and a half points. UCLA is not bad. UCLA's got a winning record. Like yeah, like I, you, you kind of wanted to dismiss that win over Cal because it was so like such stupid circumstances for the game, and you thought at the time, well, Cal's not that bad, but it's like. <laughs> UCLA is actually kind of decent. I've watched it a few times. I'm like, hey, this is this is a pretty this is like maybe in a typical year. This is like an eight and four team. That bamboo's finally growing. Yeah. <laughs> I told you guys that boot bamboo is gonna grow at that. some point. 
<laughs> and when it does, like- it's going to be out of control. Um, are we going to put Northwestern on upset alert? Because somebody called their shot maybe at the beginning of the season. Maybe it was only two weeks into the season. The Northwestern was going to have the Big Ten West locked up, not playing for anything, and Illinois is going to beat them in the rivalry game. Uh, it depends. It depends if the Illinois that was there for the first quarter against Iowa shows up, or if it was the Illinois that was there for the last three quarters against Iowa shows up. If the first quarter Illinois shows up, oh yeah, give me the line. I straight up. Nelly was all fired up on the text chain about Illinois versus Iowa in that first half. They were kicking the <laughs> butt in the first quarter. Like they were just dominating them in the trenches. And that was a shock to me. And then it just kind of, Iowa figured some things out and took care of it. Um, Two, two ones that I had flagged. Can we, can we look at Missouri with Georgia coming in town and think that might be a tricky spot for the Bulldogs? I noticed that one too. I mean, yeah, but that's, the, I, 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 it was more of a commentary to me on Georgia. Just like, again, that's where we are with Georgia. Like, okay. I mean, don't get me wrong. Missouri's a good team, but you know, I thought that like 12 points, is sort of um i don't know like it's it's auburn over um arkansas kind of level and like it just feels like this should be a in terms of what i would envision you know it, it just feels like you know georgia just didn't distance from the pack this this year it just didn't because we have playoff uh expectations of them and because they've got a roster of future pros Georgia feels like one of those NFL teams that's just playing out the string. You know, it's like out of playoff contention, but they've won like four or five games, so they're not even tanking to try and compete for a number one seed. We're just we're just being pros out here. You know, we're just doing our job, collecting our game checks, trying to play the best as we can for our families. Well, that's why it's like this time in the season, I mean, we've already we've addressed this before, but the whole like who's motivated thing, I mean, we're we're at the point right now where motivation could potentially just dr- absolutely drop off a cliff. I mean, who mm-hmm. who at LS who for LSU wants to play this weekend? Mm-mm. Hell no, <laughs> no. <laughs> like speaking of motivation, here's another line for you. We've got Louisville, who's lost Javian Hawkins, whose coach is being a little too honest in press conferences. Ooh. That is currently a one to one and a half point favorite against Wake Forest. Wake. Wake. Like that's money line sprinkle right there, isn't it? Louisville is the Wakey Leaks team. I take Wake Forest against the number every single time that they play. Yeah. Plus Wake stays motivated. Those guys are just, you know, just increment one percent every day. You like, know. You would think that they are a service academy with how steady that team is. They just play up tempo. They don't look like a service academy. Maybe it's the black and gold that just gives off those service academy vibes and the fact that everybody red shirts and everybody has got all this experience to them. Also, fun fact, because this is just off of what I was looking at at that turnover stats, talking about the ACC. Do you know how many turnovers Wake Forest has this year? Isn't it one? One. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a hell of a stat. <laughs> yeah. They have, they have a turnover margin, the best turnover margin in the country of 15. And they've only turned it over once. Wow. Yeah. So it's uh, David Hale from ESPN and Dave Clawson once had a a conversation about this because Hale is firmly in the camp of, I believe it's luck, that a big part of turnovers are luck and we overvalue them. And Dave Clawson took the other side of the discussion to say, no, I believe that you can coach to not turning it over and give yourself more chances to get turnover luck like you you can work on one half of that equation you know whether the other team coughs it up you, know, you can try to work on you know defensively coaching it up but you can coach yourself into good turnover margins with at least half of it yeah I, I think that like fumble luck is a real thing like once the ball's been fumbled whoever recovers it that's totally random that that's any you know that's 50 50 that's different but I think that taking care of the football or causing turnovers is something that is very much coachable because I mean, look at, look at Lovey Smith at Illinois, what he's done every single year there and what he was doing with, you know, before he, when he was still at the, with the bears in the NFL, all Lovey Smith's teams everywhere he's been have forced a ton of turnovers because they're coached to, ter- to for- turn the ball over. Like you see it when they're playing, there's one guy that starts to make the tackle. And then there's one guy's making the tackle. Three or four guys come and start going after the ball. 
and they're coached to do it and it works. They force a lot of fumbles. I think that once the ball is loose, then it's luck. As far as interceptions, I don't think that's all luck. I think that a quarterback who makes a lot of dumb decisions isn't relying on luck to make dumb decisions. I think they just make bad decisions. Um, And then uh, one last one I had, Cincinnati. Double-digit favorite on the road at Tulsa. You want to be real tempted just because it's, you know, Cincinnati's been on the sideline for a little bit. They got that top 10 ranking. I think that we are going to be dealing with Cincinnati and Tulsa almost assuredly in the American Athletic Conference as I pull up the standings real fast. Both teams are 6-0 and and both teams are three games clear of anybody else. So, yes, it does appear like we will be in that position. Um, I mean... That line is getting smaller. If it gets to 10, I'm all over the Cincinnati, Bearcats. Yeah, Cincinnati. Because it, it felt like it was begging me to take Tulsa, and Cincinnati's the better team. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Cincinnati is still harboring fantasies about a playoff berth. Mm-hmm. So it's not like this is going to be a situation where they're like, all right, let's just, you know, let's save it for the title game. Good point. You got something else? No, it's a weird year for Tulsa, though. Like, their only, I had to look at their schedule to remind myself of this. Their only loss was that first game of the year against Oklahoma State. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is like kind of crazy, but they're not blowing anybody out, really. Oklahoma no. State has wins against Tulsa and Iowa State, two of the better teams in the country. Like Oklahoma State's whole profile is being anchored on the way that defense was playing in the first month of the season. Right. Some of us might argue that Tulsa lost to East Carolina. Ah. Uh, that is true. There's some mm-hmm. ball don't lie there that might be coming. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to happen uh, in the SMU game and the Tulane game. They've been and Navy. Tulsa's been playing with fire. Cincinnati I mean, the, Bearcats by twenty. The luck has even doubt for them after last year, but yes, yes, they have. <laughs> He is Tom Fernell. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. We will be back on Tuesday night with another set of playoff rankings reaction. We will also turn back to the mailbag on Wednesday. So if you want to get in a question for the mailbag, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review. Uh, five stars. Leave a review. And then also leave your question for the mailbag. We'll add it to the big old bag of mail. We'll also solicit questions on Twitter at Cover3Podcast so that we can get all those together by Wednesday. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.